We've been looking together at, uh, in our series on prayer. Why pray? And we said there are four reasons why pray. God, it says in the Bible, knows our thoughts before we even think them. So why bother telling him something he already knows? And we said, well, one, because it reminds us of our position before a holy God, our dependency on him. When we, when we come and we speak to him, we recognize who we are, who God is. And we need to keep reminding ourselves because if you're like me, you keep trying to elevate yourself up to where you shouldn't be. And God reminds us and says, David, you're not God. You can't do everything. I'm God. You're not. You're my servant. You're my son. And so we're reminded of that. It helps grow our relationship. All communication helps grow relationship, doesn't it? We can't grow in our relationship with anybody unless you communicate to them. And so we share what God already knows, but we share of ourselves. We open ourselves up deeper and deeper so that we may allow access to more and more of our lives. Then he says, ask and you will receive. We pray because God asks us to ask him things. He tells us to do that. He says, ask of me so that I can give you the good gifts. He said, I'm not just going to just dump them on you unless you ask me. So come and ask. And then he says also, pray so that our lives may be in tune with the purposes that God has for us. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future, to give you a hope. And we pray so that we may understand the next step of those plans so that he will continue to guide us. That's why we pray. But we started this series with the same question that that the disciples asked. How can I pray like Jesus? Wouldn't you love to be able to pray as effectively as Jesus Christ? I would. I would love it if I could pray just like Jesus. So that you've got a situation, you just go straight to the Father, gives you everything you need. Somebody comes to you in need and you say, Lord, what's your will? You know his will and you just pray. You pray for healing. You can raise people from the dead or God can raise people through you, even from the dead, because you know how to pray like Jesus. Now, the Bible gives us certain conditions about how we can pray like him. Things that we need to... uh, to understand if we're going to have our prayers answered. Not all prayer is answered. Do you know that? I mean, I know sometimes the answer is no and we say that's an answer. But have you ever heard of a two-year-old who will accept no as an answer, as a real answer? It's not an answer, is it? If a two-year-old or a five-year-old is in Tesco's down the confectionery aisle, they do not take no as an answer. They said, that's not an adequate answer for me. I want a Yes. And the Bible gives us some criteria, some some understanding about how we can get our prayers answered. So that when we pray, we're not going, well, if it's your will, Lord, we know that the answers are going to come to our prayers. Because we're praying like Jesus. And the first we're going to look at today, over the next five weeks, we're going to look at five different conditions that the Bible says that you need to have if you want your prayers answered. Turn in the Bibles, it'll be up on the screen to John chapter 15. 
my favorite passage of Scripture. You know, Scripture, you just learn new things. I've been pondering this Scripture for about between six months and a year now. Every time I have a spare moment, I think about this. You know, every, every time I stop counting bricks because I've switched off from sermons, I think about this, right? Because it is so, so, I don't know, there's something about this passage of Scripture that is so deep that I'm still, I'm going, Lord, just reveal it to me. I want to understand it. We're just going to look at one verse today, but let's read this. It says, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Today I want to look at that verse 7. If you remain in me, I think it's on the next screen, Brian. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, he said, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's quite a promise, isn't it? He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for whatever you wish. And God, Jesus Christ, these are the words of Jesus. He says it's going to be done for you. So if you remain in me and my words remain in you, and you're an Arsenal fan, you know where this is going. I'm looking at Polita. Ask whatever you wish. 10-2 was bad. And it's going to be done for you. What does that mean though? You see, it's, it's predicated on those two things, isn't it? If you remain in me, and it's an if. If you remain in me, that's part one. Part two, if my words remain in you. Now, what does that mean? What is he talking about? Well, the first part is, what does it really mean to remain in Christ, to remain in Him? What does that mean? Let's have the next screen, please. Okay, that's it. If you remain in me, what does that really mean? Well, first of all, it means that we need to rest in Him. We are invited into a relationship through grace. Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, you have to be connected, don't you? You have to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, we get into a relationship with Jesus Christ, what we say, through grace. 
That means that we come to him and we say, Jesus, I would love to have a relationship with you. That's it, right? Nothing else. Not Jesus, I can do this for you. Jesus, I'm coming into this relationship with you because of. Just Jesus, I would love to have a relationship with you. And Jesus says to us, I would love that too, David. And I've done everything that is required for you to have a relationship with me. Everything. When he died on that cross, when he rose again and overcame death, he forgave, the Bible says, all the things that separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing is left. Everything that that we do, everything that causes us to be, if you like, thrown out of the garden, like Adam and Eve, every piece of disobedience within me, Christ has already dealt with it. It's done. He's forgiven it. Everything that you even can't forgive yourself about. Why did I do that? What an idiot. He's forgiven you. He says there's nothing stopping you from coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ except your desire. He stands there. He says and he knocks on the door. Let me in. Let me in. Let me in. You're going to let me in. To everything he has done. And he says then let me come in and be at rest. The problem is that we, we don't like having something for nothing do we don't you hate that something for nothing it's like somebody comes up to you say i'm gonna just i'm gonna offer you something for nothing you're going where's the catch nobody does that there's a catch there's got to be something you're signing me up for something or the other something dodgy's going on here nobody does that no one except jesus and we hate it we think there's got to be something wrong with this What's the cat? What, what am I getting myself into here? Some people go, well, I'm not going to sign up. I had, a, I had a guy in the youth club when I was in Canada. He said, I'm not going to sign up. He said, I know what you're saying about Jesus. I fancy having a relationship with Jesus because I can see the benefits. But I'm not signing up because I don't want to change. If I sign up with Jesus, it means I've got to change. There's a whole load of rules and regulations I've got to abide by. I don't want to do that. I don't want to stop my Friday nights. They're too much fun. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where in the Bible does it say anything about Friday nights? It was about Good Friday, but, you know, leave that aside. Just have a relationship with Jesus. You know, there's not, the problem is we've made a list of do's and don'ts. Jesus doesn't do that. He just says, come to me, have a relationship with me. All the people that Jesus meets, he just says, come, follow me. End of. He doesn't say, come follow me, but you, you, got, you, got, you got to look right. You've got to wear the appropriate attire. You've got to give up these bad habits. You've got to do this. You've got, no, 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 no. He says, leave them behind. Just come follow me. See, the church gets so hung up about different things. And it should be just focusing on that relationship with Jesus. You know what happens when you fall in love with someone? Your habits... Your lifestyle changes because of that relationship. It doesn't change. You don't suddenly think, I need to change my lifestyle now before I have a relationship, you know? When I first met Enika, lifestyle, if I'm going to even approach this beautiful young lady, 
Now I better smarten myself. You know, you don't do that. We just chatted, we talked, we fell in love. And then guess what? My lifestyle has continued to change the more I've fallen in love with this lady. It happens not because she tells me to do it. It happens because love just makes it happen. You just do it. And that's what Jesus says. Just fall in love with me. So first thing is, we've got to remain in him. We have to be in him to start with. Being in church doesn't get you in Jesus. Being on a committee doesn't get you in Jesus. Serving somewhere doesn't get you in Jesus. The only thing that will get you in Jesus is if you release yourself and say, Jesus, I long to have a relationship with you. Forgive me for all the mess in my life. Let me be connected to you, to the vine. And then when we are connected, we need to rest in him. We have to recognize there's nothing further for us to do. Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Be still. You see, we always want to prove ourselves. We want to do something. We always want to be something. God says, just rest in me. Just be still. No, let me, let me just surround you. You know when you're with a really good friend? Sometimes you don't even have to say anything, do you? You're just there. Husbands and wives. Not when you've had an argument and you're not letting the other side. Sometimes you're just sitting there together. You don't have to say anything because words are pointless in those moments. You're just, you're just being together. That's enough. That, that's all that's required at that moment. People ask me, you know, what do, what do you do when you go for a funeral visit? What do you say to people when they've just lost a loved one? As least as possible. They don't need to hear my words. They just need someone with them in those moments. They need to know that you care. They need to have someone just sitting there. You don't have to say anything. It's not going to go in anyway. Sometimes they ask me theological questions. I said, stop it. It's not the time. We'll talk about that later. The time now is to mourn the loss of someone we've loved. Let's just be there together. We don't need words for that. We just need to be. And God says, be, remain in me. Just be in me. Just stay there. Just sit there. Be quiet before God. When was the last time you were just quiet before Jesus? You just sit there. You say nothing. You ask him nothing. You just sit at his feet. It's like Mary and Martha, isn't it? You're in the kitchen or are you just at the feet of Jesus? Just say, Lord, being here is enough. Thank you. Let me just remain. Remain here. Remain in your presence. Be still and know. The second part of that is that we need to learn to depend on him. In verse 4 and 5, Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
The second thing we have to do to remain in Him is to depend on Him. You cannot bear any fruit by yourself. It is impossible. You can bear your own fruit, but you can't bear God's fruit. The only fruit that you can bear that comes from God is if you allow the Spirit of God to flow through you and make that fruit. He's like the the sap that flows through you, like the blood that courses through your veins. He's the one that makes the fruit that is eternal, the fruit that lasts. And for that, you need that dependency on Him. You need to allow Him to make and grow that fruit within you. In Colossians 1.29, it says this. Colossians 1.29. Let me start from verse 28. We proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all His energy, which so powerfully works in me. This is Paul talking about how he works for the church. He says, I labor, struggling with all, not my own energy, but with all God's energy, which so powerfully works in me. God wants to flow His presence through you. To remain in Him means that you have to allow that to flow through you. What happens to a branch on a tree that's been kind of half-severed? so that none of the sap can flow through it and none of the energy of the plant can flow through it. It dies. It just hangs there until it finally falls off. We will be the same unless we allow God's words to flow through us. Unless we allow His Spirit to flow through us. Then we die, we shrivel up. It's only allowing that Spirit to flow through you. Lord, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, Use me today. Flow through me today in whatever way you want to. Reading the other day in uh, the book of Second Chronicles. I know it's a bit weird, isn't it? But there I was. Second Chronicles. There's a beautiful verse here in chapter 16. It says this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Isn't that beautiful? Think about that picture. It's like the Lord is looking, right? The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. He's looking over the whole earth. And He's looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. So He's standing there. The Lord is looking down on all of us. This is the picture. And He's saying, whose heart is really committed to me? I'm going to pour my spirit in. I'm going to strengthen them. I'm going to give them everything they need. Let me look in their hearts and see what I see. And then I'm going to pour myself into them and through them. We need to be depending on Jesus Christ. Depending on Him if we want to remain in Him. And it says then, all this strength and this relationship leads to one thing. We didn't read it in our passage, but if you carry on. In this passage of verse 11, I have told this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. If we allow, if we remain, if we are still before God, and if we allow the Spirit of God to continually flow through us, bringing His fruit, 
then joy is what comes into our lives. Now, joy is not the same as happiness. Happiness is when you're happy. Joy is when you're joyful. Got that? Joy. Joy is about that inner kind of peace, that inner something within you. You can be joyful in a difficult circumstance. You can't be happy in it. No one likes difficulty. So you're never happy there. But the joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy is that inner strength, that inner result, that, that knowing that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which doesn't bring happiness, but the joy is knowing that he's there with you. His rod and his staff are going to comfort you. And so you have this inner strength and this inner peace and this inner sense that somehow God is working himself through all of this with you that there will be blessing, even though it's tough right now. That's the joy of the Lord. And that's what he brings if you remain in him. So our question today is, am I in Christ? Am I in him? And am I going to remain in him? Because even if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is a tendency for us to keep wanting to run away and do our own thing. I feel like I'm delighted my son is here, but I'm going to use him as an example. When he was a little boy, I've probably said this before, I think I have. When we used to go to church, they used to have the rail like this, but it wasn't across here. It was up the front in a big circle in the Anglican church we used to go to. And off the side where the organ is used to be where the crèche area was. Now, Michael loved escaping out of that door. All through the service, we would sit there, myself and Enika, and this door would open and close, open and close, open and close. Sometimes I'd see his head poke out and a little laugh come out, and then it would close shut again as he got yanked back by one of the carers there. One day, one Sunday morning, he escaped. He got out and he started giggling and he was running around the communion table up the front while the preacher was up in the pulpit trying to preach. And myself and Enika was like, oh no, why my son? Why not one of the others? But, but we're like that with Jesus, aren't we? You remain in him, you stay in him, and then something comes along and entices you away, or you get busy, and you get pulled away. And it's just like, you know, Michael, when he was one and a half, two years of age, loved the freedom to run. And we do the same thing. We, we open the door away from Jesus, and Jesus said, where are you going? We're like the prodigal. Oh, I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll just, I'm just going to have a look over here, Lord. Jesus, don't do that. Stay in me. Remain in me. And we go down a pathway and everything seems dry and everything seems weary and, and, and we wonder why, why things have dried up and it's not like it used to be because we've run away and we've gone our own way and we're not remaining in Him. Remaining in relationship takes energy and commitment it doesn't just happen remain in him is that a priority for you so many people young people I see in the church and then they drift away why because they don't remain in Jesus it doesn't just happen they're on fire for Jesus. They even go off on missions for Jesus. And in their 20s and 30s, you see they just drifted away. Why? Because they haven't put the energy to remain in Him. It doesn't just happen. We have to keep on doing it. Keep on 
staying at the feet of Jesus. And then he says, and my words need to remain in you. My words need to remain in you. We need to seek the living word. Hebrews 4 said the word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit joined to marrow. And it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. Let me say this to you. How well do you know and understand Jesus Christ? How well do you know and understand the Scriptures? Jesus has revealed Himself to us in His Word. And the level to which you know the Word of God will be the level to which your prayers will be answered. You know that? Your life of prayer and your life in God's Word are linked together. You cannot separate them. You cannot have a powerful prayer life and a poor understanding of the Word of God. It is impossible. Absolutely impossible. If you do not know the Word of God, your prayers are going to be weak and ineffective. I will guarantee it. The level to which you know the Word of God will be the level to which your life of prayer will rise. Shocking, isn't it? But it's true. The more saturated you become with the Word of God, the more answers to prayer you will see and experience in your life. It's just the way it works. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, these are His words to you and me. Do you live them? Do they remain in you? Do you understand what is being said here? Your prayer life will never be more effective than your understanding of Scripture. That's why we have home groups. That's why we do the Bible studies. To help you understand the Word of God. And when we get to the end of the Bible, you begin again and you go through it again. And you say, Lord, continue to teach me. Help me to grow because without that, my prayer life is going to be just no good at all. It's just like anything, I guess. I know very little about motor cars. If you gave me an engine of a car and said, David, what's wrong with this? Try and fix it. I might take a sledgehammer to it a few places, bang it around a bit, and that'll be about all I could do. I might even figure out where a spark plug is and take it out and have a look, blow on it and put it back, but that's probably about my limit. If you give me a manual that says, this is how you strip an engine down, how you find faults and how you put it back together, I may, when you give me all the tools, I could probably follow the manual and find out I would learn as I'm going along about how engines work, how to fix it. And I could probably then take one apart 
follow the instructions carefully. You're always left with about 10 bolts at the end of it that you have no idea where they came out. But anyway, you put it all back together. But in the same way, this is what we have here. The word of Christ. You want to know who Christ is? You want his word to remain in you? How are you going to do that if you don't know it? How are you going to do it if you've never read it from cover to cover? How are you going to do it if you don't keep on reading it, keep on studying it? How? How are you going to do it unless you you wait on it and you ponder it? John 15, just take this passage today. Look at it. Try and understand it. What is it really saying? You know the story, the vine and the branches. Probably even say it off by heart, some of it. But what does it really mean? I said, I've been spending six months, nine months, just looking at this, going, what does it really, really mean? What does it mean today, just these two things? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, what does that really mean for you? You see, as we, as we just eat this, as we, as we allow it to, to take root inside of us, that's when you see your prayer life changing and your prayer life growing. Become saturated by the Word of God and you'll see a massive change in your life of prayer. And in John 15 verse 10, it says, If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. It's not just about reading it, but it's about them putting it into practice in your life. His priorities need to be your priorities. His principles need to be your principles. His promises are your promises. His commands are your commands. You can read this, you can even know it, but if you do not trust in it and live it, it's completely pointless. Go back to the engine. I could read the manual and not touch the engine. What's the point? Hey, I know everything there is to know about engines. Just come and ask me. Have you ever done one? No. But I know, I know what it says in the manual. Pointless. There's no point unless you put it into practice. Trust and see that the Lord is good. You put it into practice in your life and then you'll see the change. Jesus said that in the chapter before in John 14, verse 9. He said, do you not, Jesus answered, this is Philip, show us the Father and that will be enough. Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after being among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. You know, those words are true for you and for me. I am in Jesus and Jesus is in me. That's what this is saying. I am in Jesus and Jesus is in me. 
I'm not doing my own thing. I'm doing the word and the works and the desires of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to remain in him. It means you get up every day, you take up your cross and you say, Lord, I want to follow you today. It should be the same for us. That his word needs to become us. So that people can see you and say, you know what? I see Jesus. I see you living out in your context what it means to be Jesus Christ. What it means to be a follower of Christ. What it means to bear fruit. What it means to be obedient. That's that's what God has called you and me to be and to do. Remain in me, Jesus said, and let my words remain in you. You want your prayers answered? Because that's the promise, isn't it? If you remain in me, if you allow my words to remain in you, Then he said, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Not that it may, but that it will. You want prayers answered? Then remain in him and let him remain in you. Because this passage says he does three things when we do that. Firstly, in verse 3. You are already clean, he says, because of the word I have spoken to you. When we read his word, he convicts us and he cleanses us. He clears us out. He makes us pure. He makes us holy. Second thing he promises is that our answers will come from prayers. When we pray anything we wish, if we're in him and his words in us, we're going to pray what he wishes anyway. So of course he's going to answer it. Of course he's going to pour out. Of course it's going to come out in real fruit for each one of us. And then lastly, he says, if you obey me, that obedience leads to love. And that love, he said, leads to deeper joy, verse 11. And that deeper joy leads in verse 14 to a greater intimacy with Jesus Christ. We become his friends. We become colleagues on a journey together. We become more and more intimate with Jesus. In Isaiah 56 verse 7, a verse that Jesus used when he went into the temple on Palm Sunday. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. We need to be utterly devoted to prayer. To private prayer, to small group prayer, to congregational prayer, to extraordinary times of prayer, to praying and fasting, to adoring prayer, to repenting prayer, to requesting prayer to prevailing in prayer, to healing prayer, to authentic prayer. The more we pray, the more we get together to pray, 
you'll find the good soil in which the biblical truth of God's word, when it's preached and taught, it will take root and it will stir within us. His word will remain and grow within us so that our life of prayer will be continually transformed too. You want to pray like Jesus? Remain in Him. Fall in love again with His Word so that it remains in you. Then He has promised that if you ask anything, it will be given to you. What about you? Are you remaining in Him? close are you to him today what's your life of prayer really like how well do you know his word do you have a hunger and a thirst for his word that you can't wait to the next time where you can get into the word some more understand it some more and not just read it but allow it to transform you then and only then you'll see the power of God at work in and through your life to his glory. Amen. Lord, we thank you that if we remain in you and your word remains in us, you have promised that if we ask for anything, you will give it to us. Teach us what that really means for me. Lord, as we go through Lent, may, I, may you hold a mirror up to see really where I am before you. Not where I would like to be, not where I've come from, but where I am right now. Show me. Show me how I can go deeper in you. To be in your word, to be in your presence so that my prayers are transformational. So that when I pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. It's not through someone else. But as you say in Second Chronicles, you look and you see my heart and you bring that transformation in me and through me for your glory. But we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.